Well, it being the octave of Easter, the octave day of Easter, you can still say Happy Easter. So Happy Easter, everybody. Today is also Divine Mercy Sunday. This is a feast that was uh, given to us by Christ through Sister Faustina, who was uh, a contemplative religious in the first half of the 20th century. She lived a short life, but a very intense, a very devout life. She lived from 1905 to 1938. She was only 33 when she died. Like uh, St. Therese and many other saints, they die young. I think it is because they, they live such an intense spiritual life, they almost kind of, their, their spiritual life sort of starts to borrow from their natural life and kind of burns it up and uses it up in, in a quick way. She was uh, a visionary and a mystic, and she, was, she received visions uh, from God when she was very young, and she always wanted to be uh, a religious, enter into the religious life, and um, she did when she was about 19 or 20 or so. Uh, when she was 26, she received uh, this main set of visions and revelations uh, that we today refer to as uh, the Divine Mercy Devotion. And uh, at that time, when she received this, this kind of main uh, group of visions and revelations, she saw a vision of Christ that looked like this. And Christ said to her, have an image of what you see made. And she went to her confessor, um, and after a few years of discernment, because, you know, you just don't believe anybody that says to you, Jesus appeared to them and started talking to them. So it's a whole process of discernment, credibility. And uh, eventually her confessors uh, came to credit these uh, visions and revelations as authentic. And so after a few years, they hired an artist to paint this picture. Actually, I think this is the second picture. I think the original one that was painted looks slightly different than this. But it's, this is the general idea. You have Christ in this kind of Old Testament priestly garment. It's white. And from his heart are... Shooting these two beams of light, white and red. And if you'll recall in the Gospel of John, when Christ's side was pierced and the spear of the soldier reached his sacred heart, out therefrom flowed blood and water. Blood standing for the Eucharist, water standing for baptism. Uh, these are the channels of God's grace in the world. And so we see that, that same channel, these same graces flowing forth, but now in the form of light, as opposed to water. And Christ said to her to institute today's feast. And on today, if you make a confession and you receive communion with the intention of gaining special grace, Christ promises a special grace of forgiveness and uh, remission of sin, remission of consequences of sin. And then also, too, recently, I think in the past 15 or 20 years, the church has added uh, plenary indulgence to, to today as well. And, uh, you know, it would be worth a homily sometime on, on what an indulgence is, just to remind us all of what indulgences are. I'm greedy for indulgences personally, so I did my confession yesterday. Today I received a communion. I prayed the intention uh, for the Holy Father to pray prayer for his intentions. And then you participate in the Divine Mercy Devotions, which we did before Mass, and you gain a, a plenary indulgence. Um, so for those, anybody that wants to make a confession after Mass, I'll be available, just, just get me. For the indulgence, I know there's 20 days window of time that you can make your confession. So next weekend, if you want, as long as you make that confession, intending it to be associated with today's feast, 
then it, it's, it's uh, legitimate and you'll gain that indulgence. Uh, so uh, that's a whole other homily in and of itself. Next year, we're going to try to take Divine Mercy Sunday and make it a little bit more deliberate. There'll probably be some special um, uh, devotions associated with it. And John and Nancy don't know it yet, but they're probably going to be playing some special music for us. That'll be something that we've got to talk about later on. Um, but uh, if we look at our, our gospel today, we see this theme of mercy. Jesus appears to the disciples after his resurrection from the dead on Easter Sunday. And it, he comes to them, and the first thing he says to them is peace. Peace be with you. And uh, we say it so much in church, it can kind of go through one ear and out the other ear. But it's a very profound truth um, of our re redemption through Christ is, is the reality of peace. Now, in Hebrew, probably some of us are familiar with this, the, uh, in Hebrew, you see, there's the word shalom, which means peace. And so the Jews will say to each other, shalom aleichem, which means peace be with you. And Jesus would have been speaking Aramaic at that time to his disciples, and it would have sounded similar to the Hebrew, shalom aleichem. And actually, in, in Arabic, um, Islamic people say something that's very similar to that. I think they say salam, something, something. And uh, in any event, this concept of shalom or peace is a very deep and profound thing because it's a kind of peace that's given to us. Uh, it doesn't mean the absence of conflict, but it means peace that arises after conflict. It's a pretty deep concept, okay? So imagine a war taking place, some great uh, battle, and then at the end of the battle, after the hard war, the hard fight has been fought, there is now re-established uh, order in the community and a right relationship between all the parties involved. And, and that's the kind of peace that we're talking about when we talk about shalom. Now there was a battle that was fought that brought us peace. And that battle was the battle of Good Friday that Christ our Lord went through. When for us, he laid his life down and went through the greatest conflicts, the powers of darkness and sin that could have, you could ever conceive of. And so it's no coincidence that after Christ says, Peace be with you, he shows them his wounds. It's the result of his wounds that we have peace. Peace comes forth from the passion of Christ. Peace for us. Peace with God and then peace with one another. We as Christians need to assimilate in a deep and profound manner into the depths of our heart the peace that we have through Jesus Christ. And we need to live that peace and that mercy outwards in our daily lives. So if we can just kind of think of peace with God is also an expression of his mercy with us, receiving his peace and his mercy into our hearts and then giving that peace and that mercy to others. We have in our tradition something very beautiful. And when I was kind of learning more about my Catholic faith as I was getting deeper into it, and I came across these, uh, what are called the seven corporal works of mercy and the seven spiritual works of mercy, I said to myself, oh yeah, I remember that. Sister Carlene taught, me, taught us that in seventh grade. Yeah, I forgot about those. But I, as I really came to appreciate them in my adult years, I was so impressed with how uh, all-encompassing these seven works of mercy, 14 works really, of mercy are. They cover everything, and I can imagine to myself, anybody would dedicate their lives to living out 
the seven spiritual works of mercy and the seven corporal works of mercy. And that is a, that is a path to perfection. That is a path to salvation uh, better than any other path. So just for the sake of a little reminder here, let's go through these works of mercy, many of which we really are uh, living out in our parish life already. But it's good to draw our attention to them, be very deliberate about it, and to renew our intention and our, uh, our desire to work these out ever more so in our lives. So seven corporal works of mercy. First off, feed the hungry. Thank you for all who participated in the rice bowl. Um, uh, dry, for example, during this past Lent. Okay, that's an example of feeding the hungry. Um, I know that many of us support our food pantry. There we go, that's feeding the hungry. Uh, the second corporal work of mercy, giving water to the thirsty. If we can remember, uh, Father Bernard came here with Cross Catholic Missions, and he talked about how one of the things they do is they, they go to these villages in developing countries and they, they put in place wells. Uh, for uh, the people to have clean water. That's, we take that for granted. Clean water, we take it for granted. But in other places, that's really a big deal. So to, to give to something like Cross Catholic would be giving water to the thirsty. The third corporal work of mercy, clothing the naked. Okay, we have closed closets here in Clyde. I know at the Baptist Church we have a closed closet. Uh, even in our food pantry here, we have some clothes that we can give away. Um, we have a poly box, of course. Uh, the fourth corporal work of mercy, shelter the homeless. Okay, uh, There's an initiative right now going on uh, between all the different churches, Protestant and Catholic, in this area here from Newark uh, and Lyons and, and here to Clyde, where there is some endeavors to uh, try to address some of the homeless problems of homelessness. Um, and you might hear more about that from me later on. Uh, the fifth corporal work of mercy, visit the sick. Right now, there's a really wonderful work of the Holy Spirit uh, going on, I believe. And that is, on Thursdays I go and I visit the nursing home in Lyons, and then I, I visit the homebounds. Um, and I have a group of ladies that are going with me as extraordinary ministers of Holy Communion. And um, that I really see these ladies as a gift from the Holy Spirit. There's just wonderful things taking place there. If anybody would want to jump on board and, and do that along with us, whether you're a man or a woman, uh, that would be wonderful. Visit the imprisoned. You know, we have Deacon Kylie worked 25 years in the prison. I've only done a little bit of prison ministry, but if anybody would be interested in doing that, we have a prison up in Auburn. Um, uh, those guys are uh, really in need of, of uh, someone to come in and to make some human contact with them and to bring them the love of God. And then finally, bury the dead. I appreciate all the help that we receive from funerals, uh, in regards to funerals, um, and especially the Martha ministry. Please continue to be encouraged that this is really a great ministry to, uh, to the families of the dead and to the dead themselves. And then we've got the spiritual works of mercy. These are really great. They're very, very profound. Uh, in the first one, instruct the ignorant. Uh, we have tonight religious ed. And uh, so important to transmit the faith to the next generation. Uh, we're always looking for catechists. Anybody that wants to be a catechist and to perform in a very meritorious manner, pleasing to God, uh, the instruction of the youth and the faith, please contact the office. Uh, and thank you to all the catechists who are already doing that. Uh, the second spiritual work of mercy, counsel the doubtful. 
In our lives, there are many moral conundrums uh, that we face, and sometimes what's right to do is not completely clear. So if you can find someone who gives you moral advice, uh, that's accurate, <laughs> that's the trick, that's accurate, uh, that is an incredible work of mercy. Third, spiritual work of mercy, admonish sinners. You know, sometimes people might, they might kind of be under the impression if you admonish a sinner, you're kind of being mean or condemnatory. It's really not the case. In fact, it's kind of opposite. Oftentimes, uh, people let other people continue to live sinful lives because, you know, they really don't have enough love for their neighbor to really kind of take the step of courage to step out and say to your son, to your daughter, to your friend, to whoever it is, a relative, and say, you know, I'm worried about you. What you're doing is not good. It's not good for you. It's not good for your family. And, uh, uh, you know, you need to repent and stop this behavior. It takes a lot of love to do that. So, again, it's a spiritual work of mercy. Um, And then I love this one here. This is the fourth one. Bear patiently those uh, who wrong us. So instead of, you know, if someone does something wrong to you, you know, we have a tendency to maybe uh, uh, flip the lid or something, you know, get mad. But if, but if, you're, if you're patient and you just kind of bear with it, that is a work of mercy to the person who's inflicting the wrong on you. All right? Uh, forgive offenses. Another work of mercy. Console the afflicted. Um, pray for the living and the dead. Very, very important. We do this at Mass. Most Masses are offered for the dead. So we're doing that uh, even now. Another thing I would would just kind of end with this is the Divine Mercy Chaplet, what we prayed just before we started Mass. There are many promises associated with the Divine Mercy Chaplet if it's prayed at the deathbed of someone. So if you have a friend or you have a relative who's on their deathbed, to go by their side, whether they're conscious or unconscious, you don't know, and pray the Divine Mercy Chaplet uh, on their behalf. They're very powerful. So I encourage us all to do that. Um, so my brothers and sisters, we can praise God today, thank Him for His paschal grace. We can thank Him for His mercy that has come to us through the passion of Jesus Christ and the, the peace that we have because of what Jesus, the battle, the hard battle that He fought for us. Uh, and let's bring that peace and that mercy to others and so be people ourselves of peace and mercy.